Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Now we're in part three of a series, so you can get your Bibles out. You can go ahead and turn to Matthew for me, turn to Matthew 7. That's kind of our foundational scripture. In the last two weeks, we've been working on building a great life. It just doesn't happen. There's things that you need to purposely, intentionally do in line with the word of God to position your life for the greatest it could be. And there's always things that we could do to improve, but they need to be along the lines of the word, the sure foundation, amen? And so we've spent two weeks on that already. Today, we're gonna talk about a particular subject, and then we have next week, Congressman Gomert. The following week after that, my wife and I will actually be out of town this last July as we were speaking at a conference in Tulsa with Pastor Hagen and Miss Lynette. They invited us to go with them on a trip to Israel. So we prayed about that, felt the Lord drop that in our heart, and then someone blessed us with the resources to do that. So my wife and I will be in Israel on the 5th. Actually, we'll be there the 30th through the 9th, I believe. And so uh, with Pastor Hagen and some other ministers, it's gonna be a great time. We are super excited. That's just a, a dream come true. A lot of people that we know are going on the trip, and so what a wonderful time to walk where Jesus walked and just be blessed and experience all that. So please be praying for us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to go do that. Uh, we'll miss you guys for sure and look forward to coming home and sharing all the wonderful things with you. We'll pick the series right back up uh, with some other topics like parenting and relationships and family management in accordance with the word of God. So don't miss any of these or any times in between. It's gonna be great, always great to come and sit into the word, amen? Here's our scripture, Matthew 7. We are talking about building a great life, and the word says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. We need to be wise men and women and put into practice the word of God, his words, amen? As the Bible says, when we do that, not just when we hear it, not just when we think it's a good idea, not just because somebody recommended it, but we actually do the word of God. It says not only are we wise, but we build our house on a sure foundation, and that's important in today's world because there's a lot of things moving and shaking all around about us. And the scripture goes on to say this, the rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew. We, we know what that's like this week, right? Sounds like this last week, in fact. And beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. It's, it's things challenged it, things came against it. The Bible says it did not fall. It did not fall, why? Because you didn't want it to fall. You'd hoped it wouldn't fall. You deserved for it not to fall. It did not fall because its foundation was on the word of God, okay? I wanna make sure that you understand that. The things that we're sharing are to give you the, the, the word of God so you can put them into practice as wise men and women and build your life upon the rock or the word of God. It goes on to say this, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Goes on to say the winds came, the rain came, the stream rose, blew against the house, and it fell with a great crash. The sure thing in life is the word of God. The sure foundation of life is his word. So when you hear these things we talk about, make sure that you put them into practice and build your great life on the word of God. Now today's topic is just as important as the other ones, but probably the one that people don't like to talk about. In fact, last week we did marriage and people are saying, thank you, pastor, that was a great word. Things to apply to my marriage. A couple weeks we'll talk about parenting. Thank you, pastor. I wanna raise godly children in today's world. Thank you for helping me manage my personal relationship with Jesus Christ through the word of God. Thank you for all that. Today, however, just kinda makes people get a little uncomfortable because we're gonna talk about money. 
We're going to talk about money, and it's important for us to do that. It is the word. You realize it is the word of God. And I know the pushback on that because so many people in my profession have used and abused that, and I wish they wouldn't have, and I understand that. But don't listen to man. Listen to God. Amen? It's not man's word we build upon. It's God's word we build upon. Amen? So that's how we navigate through opinions, ideas, and those kind of things. We want the word of God. Now, I've instructed the ushers to lock the door so no one can leave until we are done. <laughs> and we already take an offering up at the end, so we're not taking a, an extra one. Okay, so there we go. Just get that all out of the way. But I want you guys to open up your heart and listen, because this is a hugely important topic. We could spend a lot of time talking about this, but let me tell you just briefly how important this topic is. It's, the Bible has a lot to say about it. Jesus talked about money twice as much as he talked about heaven and hell combined. I don't know if you realize that, but that's Jesus. Jesus talked about money twice as much as he did heaven and hell combined, and we would agree those are important issues. 38 parables, there's 38 parables, 16 Jesus shared about money and possessions, so almost half of the stories and teachings Jesus did were on money and possessions. He talked about money and possessions five times more than prayer. That's pretty surprising. Prayer's important. We need to be men and women of prayer. The Lord's house will be called a house of prayer. Prayer needs to be part of our everyday life. And yet, he talked about money and possessions five times more than prayer. And faith, we have a relationship with Jesus through faith, with God through Jesus by faith. And the Bible says that there are 500 scriptures, there are 500 scriptures on faith in the Bible, 2,000 on money and possessions, four times as many. I mean, you guys think that would say that, you know, Jesus knew this was an important topic, and so he's wanting us to understand, have the right perspective, not man's perspective, the perspective of the word on money and finances, because it, it is an important thing in our life, and you need to know the right perspective or God's outlook on it if you're going to build a great life. And so let's start with 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. Here's what it says. Those who want to get rich, and what this means is those who want uh, to, when it says those who want to get rich, those who want to have or don't have rather the right perspective or the understanding of money, they'll fall into temptation. If you don't have the right understanding of money, you'll fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That's not a very encouraging word. It is if you're thinking, I need the right perspective on finances here. If you don't have that, you're prone to fall into a trap, into temptation, into ruin and destruction. And so let me say this as a pastor, as, as many of your pastors here this morning, let me say this, as a pastor, I don't want you to fall into a trap. I don't want you to fall into ruin. I don't want you to fall into destruction. Man, I love you, and as your pastor, I want you to hear the right perspective and understanding of the word of God so you don't find yourself at that place. So that's, that's what motivates me. That's what the scripture's about. It goes on to say this, for the love of money, why, why do we need to have the right perspective? Because the love of money or the wrong perspective or understanding is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager, eager for money have wandered, even wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with so many griefs. Now listen to what it's saying. It says that if you have the wrong understanding of money or the wrong perspective, then you face all kinds of struggles and trials in your life. And in fact, it goes on to say in that last passage, it says that many people have wandered away from the faith because of this topic. Because of either a wrong teaching or believing what man says as opposed to what God says, or just, hey, that's my money, so leave it alone. All churches do is want our money. Can, can I say all I want is not your money? I want you to get the truth of God's word so you can live your life in accordance with it, amen? You decide, though. You decide. I, don't, I, I want to show you the word of God so you can make wise decisions 
and build your life on the sure foundation of his word. That's what I want. And so I want, I want you to open up your hearts and receive God's word today. And then for you and your family, you decide based on the word of God and based on his scripture. Um, we're talking about building something great. And this is a hugely important topic for us in building a great life. And God has given us the blueprints for that. Look at what Jesus said in Luke 12, 34. Here's what he said. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now keep that up on the screen for a minute. Now understand, this is misquoted about as much as any scripture I know in the Bible. In fact, I've been guilty of misquoting this in times past. It does not say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Notice that. The wording is intentional, because God doesn't make mistakes, and he didn't leave it up for interpretation because you can't misunderstand this. Where your treasure is, or where you put your money, or where you put your resources, your heart will follow that. Well, I love God, and I love God with all my heart, and if we ask people in here, most everybody would say, Pastor, I love God with all my heart. The next question Jesus would ask you is, then where are you putting your treasure? Because where your treasure is, then your heart will be or your heart will follow. Now understand that. And that's, again, look at this, what Jesus says. And Jesus would say that. Jesus would say, okay, if you love me, you need to put your stuff in that direction. Your heart follows wherever it is you put your treasure. And so the world has a system. And if you're doing some financial planning to build a great life, you talk about some of these topics. Let me give you some and then we'll look at the word let me give you a couple of those. Uh, let me give you five things I think that you would talk about. Number one, earning. You'd talk about earning. Making money. And it's important. You need to. And can I say this to all the 18, 25-year-old guys? You need to get jobs and quit playing video games all day and all night. Can I just say that? Get out there and get a job. Make some money. Do something. All right? Just... Okay, anyways, I'm gonna move on now. Okay, so you need, you need to earn money. Uh, and we're all looking to make money. We're looking to raise our income, increase it, create margin. Um, and it's important to do that kind of thing. Okay, the second thing you'd look at is spending. And that's important too. You need to look at your spending. In other words, where's your money going? 90% of Americans don't operate on a budget. <laughs> that's a shocker to me. That means 90% of Americans have no idea where their money's going. And a lot of times they wonder why they got more month than money at the end. And they couldn't tell you if they wanted to because we want to operate that way. We need to. We need to operate on a budget so we know. Another thing you would discuss would be saving, saving, which is important. And they'll tell you to do this, that you need to save and have a savings account. The Bible tells you to do that as well. Don't spend all you have. You need to have some savings. The average American spends 136% of their income. How do you do that? <laughs> Credit cards? <laughs> Debt is actually pretty easy, unfortunately. And so you need to understand there's some worldly wisdom here, but we're gonna take things to another level. Uh, investing, you would talk about this. Investing is good, it's important. It's let your money work for you. Get to a point you can set aside some so it can grow. And then uh, some of them, not all of them, would talk about giving. Really, a, a lot of financial planners, unless they're probably Christians, wouldn't talk about giving about this one because they would probably tell you to hold on to it or something of that sort. The average American gives either church or charity 3% of their income, average American. The average Christian gives 3.8%. And can I say that's well below God's expectation? God's expectation is 10%. That's the tithe minimum. That's minimum. That's God's command, in fact. And so it's not a, not a message about tithing, but understand that we believe that here. Uh, these aren't bad things, and if you worked on all of them, it would help you. But as believers, we know there's more to it than this. There's more 
than what we can do in the natural. And that's the wonderful thing about being saved and having Jesus as Lord and Savior, having access to everything the Father has, that we can live beyond just the natural. Those are natural things that we can work on. But listen, we can take things to a whole nother level. We have the ability because of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to live in the realm of the supernatural by, by applying the principles of God, even when they make no sense to man. So we're not talking about just living the norm or living by the numbers. We're talking about living beyond the numbers into what we can do as believers by following the word of God. Look at Haggai 1, chapter 1, 5 through 7. Here's a, cha- a book you probably haven't been in in a while, but here's a good one. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Think about this. Everybody needs to think about this. Is what he says. <clears throat> Give careful thought to your ways. Okay, verse 6. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but they're not warm, and they keep shrinking, by the way. I'm just saying that, all right, getting smaller. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Don't raise your hand, but come on, can I just, did I just describe most of our lives? It's like, I can never get ahead. It's like, I got, I got money burning a hole in my pocket. And that's like water running through my hands. That's most of us, how most of us live, it seems like. And he says, you need to think about all this. Why is this happening? How do, we, how do we make this not happen? It's important for us to look at that. And the next verse says this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. We need to be thinking about what's going on. What's wrong? Why, why is life like that? Could it be that there's a better way? Could it be that there's a higher way? Could it be that there are God's principles that will supersede natural principles? Absolutely, absolutely yes. Actually, this is true really in all areas of your life, not just finances, but God's principles supersede natural principles in every area of your life. Because God is a supernatural God, amen? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts greater than ours. First Corinthians 1.20 says this. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Come on, that's good news. God has made foolish the wisdom of this world because his ways are higher. His ways are greater. His ways are are beyond uh, the natural realm or the natural way. And so we need to do the natural things to the best of our ability. But listen, God can take it to another place. God can take your finances to another place. His ways are higher than your ways. So let's look at some principles beyond the numbers that we can embrace in our life that change everything. The first thing we talked about sitting down and planning things in the natural is earning. And we hear this all the time, earn as much as you can. Earn no matter what. Earn no matter what you have to do. If you have to move away, move away. If you have to have multiple jobs, get multiple jobs. Chase the dollar, chase the money. Now, know that there's a higher principle at work here in the, in the word of God, and it's this one. Number one, calling versus compensation. Calling versus compensation. At the end of the day, how much money you make is not going to fulfill you. And I would say that to all the graduates standing here today, pursue a calling, not compensation. God will take care of you. But you'll also find fulfillment at the same time. Because there is no amount of money that can bring fulfillment inside anybody on this planet. The only one that can bring fulfillment is God fulfilling the calling of God on your life. And he has a call for everybody. He has a call for every single one of us. What fulfills you is finding out what your life is all about and realizing there's nothing like knowing you're doing what God has called you to do. That's the higher way. 
That's the higher principle. Chase the call on your life and God will provide. The secret to your life is discovering why you are on this planet. Listen, it's not how much you can accumulate, but it's how much you can fulfill what God has called you to do. That's what life's about. That's where you find the fulfillment or true fulfillment. And I want you to remember this. The reality is we don't just need money to live on. We need something to live for. And I think that we forget that. That's the higher principle. We need something to live for. If you'll discover what you were created for and live for that, it's worth more than any amount of money you can make. In fact, the Apostle Paul says this, Acts 20, 24, here's what he says. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, my goal, my purpose is to finish the race and complete the task, to fulfill my calling. The Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. He said, I'm gonna pursue my calling and nothing else matters. I know my God's gonna take care of me. And not only will he provide, I'll find the fulfillment that we all long and search for and it will not be found in any earthly thing. It will only be found in fulfilling your divine calling. The second area we talked about spending. We're talking about building a great life, taking it beyond the numbers, And so we need to get on a budget. We need to control spending. Uh, So number two is this, contentment versus consuming. Contentment versus consuming. See, we live in a society that wants more, 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 more. I should have got the clip of that song. It says, I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. And I want it now, right? I mean, that's kind of the mindset of the world, isn't it? And can I say that contentment is a lost value? And it seems like each upcoming generation has less and less contentment. It's, I want more and more and more and more stuff. And so we've missed it somewhere. We've gotten away from it somewhere. I believe we've lost the value of contentment and it, and it changes again with each generation. Luke 12, 15, let me read out of the Living Bible. Here's what it says. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have for real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. Beware, here's a warning, beware. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have for real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. Real life and real living are related to doing what God has called us to do, amen? Fulfilling our call. I just, my own observation here, maybe you'd agree or not agree, but if you look at people that are the happiest, it's not necessarily the ones with the most. And in fact, sometimes I think the ones with the most are the ones living under the most stress. I gotta insure it, I gotta keep it up, I gotta lock it up, I gotta store it, I gotta protect it, I gotta look out for it, I gotta look after it. And I'm not saying stuff's bad, stuff's not bad. God wants you to have stuff and enjoy the stuff, he says, but he doesn't want the stuff to have you. And so sometimes it's not about the stuff that makes us happy. And if you don't believe me, go on a mission trip. I can't tell you how many people I've taken on on mission trips in the I don't know how long I've been doing that. Thousands probably. And when you go see a different country and you see people that live with way less than we have but seem more happier, when you see little kids playing with sticks and rocks and boxes, more happier than some with Xboxes, it just, and I'm not saying Xbox is bad, but again, right, contentment instead of consuming. There's, There's a different perspective in life and it does put things in perspective when you go and see that, but Understand that contentment's a biblical value. Look what Paul says in Philippians 4, 12 through 13. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, 
whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He's learned the secret. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Amen. You know what Paul says here? He says the secret for being content can be found in your relationship with Christ. Just honestly, if you have Jesus, you should be content. I mean, that's the bottom line. Let me say it this way. If God never did anything else for me in my life, I'd be okay. I'm happy. I'm okay. Because just the fact that he sent his son to die for me and give me an opportunity to have a relationship with him, just knowing that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven one day, my sins have been paid for, just knowing through the precious blood of Jesus, I'm free. If he never did anything else for me, what he's done is enough. What he's done is enough. I believe if God did nothing else for me, he's already done enough. And do you know people, I was thinking about this, you know people that are going through difficult times and you've asked them, how are you doing? And they respond, I'm doing better than most. That should always be our response because the reality is true. Especially, let's just take it into just where we live today. If you live in America, you're doing better than most. Better than 90% of the world, in fact. If you're the poorest of the poor in America, you're among the 10% richest in the world. Actually, percentage is smaller than that because of where we live. So we're doing better than most. I want to leave you with this on this one. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but the realization of what you already have. It would be like if we were just thankful for what we had and we'll leave whatever else comes up to God. Just do what we're supposed to do in the word and just trust him for everything else. But be content with what he's already provided and already given us. Can you come to the place and say, God, if you never did anything else for me, I'm better off than most. Realize we're already blessed. And let me give you the the third one here, we talked about saving and that's important to do and the Bible has a lot to say about that. The Bible says to do that as well. But this one can be just a little dangerous, I'll explain that in a second, and dangerous in the fact that we typically will save so that we're prepared for anything. I mean, a rainy day fund, put some money aside, that's wisdom, the Bible talks about that. Have some money set aside in case something happens. But the danger is the planning so if anything happens, you can take care of yourself. Really, the risk here is our tendency is I'm going to save and build up what I can build up so I'm not dependent on anybody. I'm okay. Savings is good. I'm not saying that. Don't misquote me here. But I'm thinking that we need to be understanding that we need to be God-dependent versus independent. We need to always keep a dependency on God because what we think is secure or financially secure never really is in this world, is it? I mean, I, I don't necessarily, I'm a stock market, market, market person or whatever, but I, I have family and people that are, and it just, in a day, it can, it can change. I mean, I'm just looking at things like Google shares change or Apple shares change, and it says billions of gains were wiped out in one day. And I'm like, there was a whole lot of people freaking out right now about that. But I'm thankful that no matter what happens with my, my, my natu- natural wealth, that God is my safety and my security for everything, amen? I'm dependent on God. I'm never independent from God. And don't ever think that way. And you need to save and plan. Do not get me wrong here, but keep a dependency on God. Be sure to save, but don't ever think your finances are secure. Find your security in God alone. Proverbs 18, 11 says this. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine, I love that word, they imagine it a wall too high to scale. Or they imagine it a wall too high for anything to get over the top and do anything. Well, that's just not true in today's world. That, that, that's an imagination that you have. 
if you're imagining that what you've saved up or what you can save up is enough and secure, then it's a figment of your imagination. Can I say it that way according to the scripture? So we need to have a, our security needs to be on God and God alone, amen? Do what we know to do in the natural, but we're talking about living beyond the numbers and building a great life by applying the principles of God and going beyond the natural. We need to live a life of trust. We need to put our hope in God, keep God on our side, make sure our hope is in God alone. Proverbs 30, eight through nine says this, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. I, I, need, I need to take care of today. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? I'm good. I've built all this up. I don't need him anymore. I'm good. I got this, God. Or I may become poor and steal and dishonor the name of my God and get angry with him or frustrated. You know, I think that we need to be very careful with this principle. It's important to do, but we need to keep a dependency on God. Let me say it this way. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Amen. I'll keep looking at him as my source. And as believers, we have something greater to build a great life on. The next area we talked about is investing. Investing is great, investing can be fun. Here's the principle, stewardship versus ownership. Stewardship versus ownership. A steward manages something that belongs to somebody else based on their priority. And I wanna give you the greatest piece of financial advice, advice, even though I'm not a financial advisor, that I could ever give anybody that was given to me. Here it is, the greatest financial principle you'll ever get. God owns everything. I am his manager. That's the greatest piece of financial advice you will ever get in your life. God owns everything. The Bible says everything on the earth in its fullness is his. Everything you are is his. Every idea that it got you wealth, everything you put your hand to and created, everything, all that came from God. Everything is God's. We are simply managers or stewards. So our role, therefore, then, is to steward it in the way the owner would want it stewarded. Manage it according to his priorities. And there's not an owner on the planet that does not reward people who manage his things according to their priorities. God is no different. God is a rewarder. And so you steward, you manage what God has entrusted you with. In fact, it's all his. And so even though it's not a tithing on message, when he says return a portion or 10% back, he's just basically saying, give back to me some of my stuff that you're managing. And who already say, no, I'm keeping it. That's stealing. That's why the Bible says don't rob God. And the Bible says that when you do that, because he's the owner and he's blessed when you listen to him and, and, and do what he's asking you to do with his stuff, that's why it says he'll bless the 90. That's how the 90 that you have will go farther than the 100 ever could. Because the owner's happy and he takes care of us. We're stewards. We're not just talking about your tithe or giving an offering, and we believe in all that, but what do you do with the rest? And you still need to steward it in a way that will be pleasing to God. Everything that you are and have is a temporary resource to be stewarded for eternal purposes. Jesus gave us this principle, Matthew 6, 19 through 20. He says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Be eternally minded. As short as this life is, you're gonna wanna put as much in heaven as you can. Why? Because life here is a vapor and eternity is eternity. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole lot longer than the short time here on the planet. You heard ever hear someone say, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on up ahead? 
That's, about, that's how stewarding the owner's resources and the way he would want, and it, stores, it brings a storehouse in heaven for you. And I don't know what's gonna go on in heaven, but if my Bible says that you can store up treasures there, there's a reason for that. And again, I don't wanna just get through the door, I just wanna scrape through the door, Whew, I made it. And then everybody else being enjoying all this stuff for eternity. There's gotta be a reason for that. That's why Jesus says, store up your treasure in heaven. Matthew 13, 44 says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. He found out what was important and he made everything else work towards that. When you realize what actually matters, you'll try and make all your life matter for what actually matters. The last one, giving. The world would say, if you have anything left, then you can give some. Think about giving. But there's a higher principle, and it is generosity versus misery. <laughs> now that word misery really is a funny word, but the opposite of someone who is generous is someone who is a miser. So the opposite of generosity is misery. You know what, it seems to me, really the most miserable people that I know are the most stingiest people I know. <laughs> It doesn't have anything to do with how much money they have or don't have. It's stingy. Stingy people seem miserable, mean. It just seems that way. Well, there's a reason why. And the happiest people I know are the most generous. It has nothing to do with how much they have or don't have. It's what they do with it. Jesus himself said this, Acts 20, 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Blessed, that word in the Greek means happy. So what Jesus has said, he said, it's more happy to give. The happiest people are givers. That's not me, that's Jesus. You see that, right, in that scripture? It's Jesus is being quoted. The happiest people are the givers, according to Jesus. We need to live as generously as we can and to help others. And you've heard this, we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen? It's important when building a great life to look at things like the tithe because that's a command in the scripture. It's a command. Return the 10% back into the storehouse. Look at offerings. We give above our tithe into things like missions. Help the gospel, gospel go all over the world. Our local outreach. Help feed the poor. Help people in need. It's part of it. It's important to give in things like the building fund because we are maxing out classrooms. We have to turn people away, families away, because we don't have enough rooms. We're building rooms currently that we're planning for the next phase of classrooms. We need you to be generous in doing that too. Why? Because it impacts the lives of others and that is how the owner wants you to steward things. Use it for eternal purposes. Impact the lives of people around about you. Be as generous as you can. And I want you to understand this. The value of my life isn't determined by how much I achieve or accumulate, but by how much of my life I give away. The value of my life isn't determined by how much I achieve or accumulate, but by how much of my life I give away. I wanna read this one last scripture for you. It's in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy is considered a pastoral epistle. It was a letter written to Pastor Timothy. A lot of the, the, the books of the Bible that you'll see in the New Testament with the, uh, the name, someone's like name on there, a lot of those would be considered pastoral epistles, so they're letters written to pastors. And so Timothy is a pastor, and so Paul is writing a letter to Pastor Timothy. It says this in 1 Timothy 6, 18 through 19. It says, command them, Timothy, command your congregation to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they'll lay up treasures for themselves 
as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, it, it might just say, hey, Timothy, tell your congregation to be rich in good deeds and be generous on every occasion to help impact the kingdom, to build the kingdom in a greater capacity and to see things happen like, like never before. And that would be great and that would be wonderful. But look what he says. He says, you'll lay up treasures in heaven for you for the coming age and you'll live life as life was meant to be lived. So there is a blessing for you, amen? There is a benefit for you. So, and in accordance with the instruction as the pastor here at Tree of Life Church, I'm asking you to be good and be rich in good deeds. Be generous. Why, so the church can have all this or that? No, God's gonna take care of us, but so that you'll store up treasures for heaven because eternity is a whole lot longer than this vapor on the earth, and so that you'll live life as God intended to the full, life that is truly life here. That's what we want for you, that's what we want for your family. That's how you build a great life, in fact, that you'll hold, take hold, or, or you'll build the life that is truly life. We could say it that way at the end. That's what the Bible says. Build your life on the word of God. In order to build a great life, we need to go beyond the numbers. We need to grab a hold of God's way, no matter what the world says. Even if it looks foolish to the world, no matter what, God's way works. And let me leave you with this. God's way works. God's way works. It's the sure foundation that when the storms and rains come and they will, God's way works. Wise men and women will build upon the foundation of the word of God. Why? Because his way works. Let the rain come, let the wind blow, let the water rise, but my house is built on the firm foundation of God's word. And he changes not. He changes not, he's faithful. You can trust him. We need to put our heart, our faith, and our trust in him and build a great life financially on the principles of God's word. It is the sure foundation of life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My hope, my heart this morning was to convey to you God's word, not my word, especially in this delicate, if you will, topic. But his word works. We need to be wise in today's world. We need to build our great life wisely for that, for our families. And God has a way to do that. Be a doer of the word and build on the foundation of God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.